Welcome to The Event Technique, the daily nine-minute podcast created exclusively for event planners and development directors. If you're on the front lines in organizing, promoting, or running nonprofit events, every episode of The Event Technique podcast is filled with valuable tips and strategies in bite-sized chunks that you can use to make your next event more successful. And now, please welcome the host of The Event Technique, the founder of Eventsburg, Jill Coomer. Today's question is, do you need to put your board on a diet? And I don't mean one that's talking about culinarily wise. I'm talking about one that slims down the size of your board to a level that makes it workable. Generally on a good sized board, meaning 9, 11, maybe 13 people, you can accomplish quite a bit. You can certainly get enough people together to have a quorum. When you get to those board sizes that are 25, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 people, I don't know how you're going to have anything that's going to be productive. The first thing I would think is, you got to be kidding me. But the truth of it is, there's organizations out there that have 50 people on their board, which raises a really good question. How do you even get a quorum together with that many people? You have 50 people on your board, you need 26 people. So here's part of the problem. Someone comes to the organization and says, I would like to be involved with your organization. I would like to donate X number of dollars. Super cool. Wahoo. How great is that? The first thing generally the organization will do is ask if they would like to be on the board. And that is whether or not, regardless that they have the skills or the management guidance or anything else they bring to the table that the board could possibly need. And I don't mean to trivialize somebody giving you money. That's hugely important. However, if that money comes with a zillion strings in the form of someone who is not going to appear at board meetings, they won't be caught up on the events going on with the organization. They won't pay attention to things that the board has to have in order to run. And those will generally create more problems than they're worth. So you need to take the time going forward as you get into your next round of events and such to start looking at the makeup of your board and making sure you have the right people in the right positions. Sometimes it's as simple as that. For example, if you have someone who is quiet and introverted who's serving on your board, they may not be the person to head up your membership or your donor drives and be able to get out in front of people because it's just not in their nature. It doesn't mean they can't be great board members, but it does mean that they're not going to be effective in that position. Subsequently, the board gets frustrated because there's not any performance there. The individual gets frustrated because they're not doing what they really want to do. So it's really important to look at everybody that's on the board and say, you know what, our board is a little too heavy. We need to cut back on some of the positions that we have. And you'll be able to figure out which folks are the ones that generally don't read the minutes. They don't come to board meetings. If they do attend, they're unprepared. And maybe you only see them once a year at that fundraising gala. And it's probably okay with them if they're not on the board. Your boards need to be efficient and working hard. They cannot be hindered by people who are political appointees, consistently not appearing, or not supporting the other the organization other than giving money. And again, I don't mean to trivialize giving money, but the answer is not to take that donor and put them on the board. I recently had an experience of working with a board that had 52 people on it, and to try and get anything done was absolutely unreal. You couldn't even get a quorum together. You needed 27 people in the room 
or on the phone to get a quorum, which almost never happened. That meant the board accomplished very little. And when you're dealing with a situation like that, you need to slim it down and make sure you are looking critically at who you have in which position. A lean board of nine folks, maybe 11, is just about perfect because everyone can have a certain element of responsibility within that board and it becomes relatively easy to get things accomplished. When you need to get together for a quorum, you can get things together because you're only talking about five people, maybe maybe six. The second thing you're dealing with in your board is to making sure that the people that are there who are showing up and supporting the board actively are trained in the things you need them to do. In other words, if you want someone on your board to contact donors and sponsors, you need to let them know what's being done by the staff portion of the organization so that donors and staff are not stepping on each other when they go out to look for donors or sponsors. It's also important to remember that the board, although it does handle a lot of fiscal things for the organization, those people that are staff people are the ones that are on the ground every day making it all work. So if the board and the staff do not work together, there's an obvious disconnect and the organization will not move forward. You can't have that. In this day and age, an organization that's stagnant will cease to exist in an incredibly short amount of time. So the focus of the board needs to be as streamlined as possible to make sure that all the people you have on your board are trained in the position that you need them to be occupying. Makes perfect sense, right? Sounds easy. Not so much when you try to actually execute it. It has to be done, and sometimes there are those exceedingly difficult conversations that you need to have with a board member saying, you know what, this is not the right position for you. We would very much like to put you in a different position or ask you what it is you would really like to do. We noticed last year that you missed most of the board meetings and we would like you to be an active, effective board member. And when you can't attend, you can't be that individual. How can we help you get to the right position you want to have on that board? Generally, if you ask somebody who's on the board who really isn't involved, they may not be interested in being on the board in the first place. That's okay. They probably felt when the organization offered them the position, they were obligated to take it. So a good, solid, honest conversation with each one of your board members is a really good way to make sure everybody understands where everybody stands. Shouldn't be shied away from or concerned with. It's super important that you do it. It doesn't get easier over time when you realize that the board is now no longer functioning as it should. Those discussions should be had within the first meeting of bringing on new board members. Put those things into your thought process going forward in the next few months. If your organization is super busy mode right now, including putting together the virtual events, which do take an incredible amount of time, make sure that you're reaching out to your board members and getting them actively involved. There are a number of organizations that have considerable numbers of board members who are also in a protected age group, so they don't want to come to a board meeting. Make sure you keep in touch with them. They may or may not be as tech savvy as everybody else on your board. While they are critical to your organization, they bring great management skills, they may not feel comfortable physically attending a board meeting. Don't forget them. Take care of those people. Make sure you will continue to evaluate your board on a daily basis. Make it lean, make it smart, make it run efficiently, and you will be golden going into the fall. Your organization will definitely benefit from your planning. Make sure to catch this podcast and other podcasts at theeventtechnique.com. 
That's www.theeventtechnique.com. You can also catch us on Alexa on the Flash Briefing. Hey Alexa, give us the event technique, and we'll pop up with a one-minute little nugget that you'll be able to take to get your day rolling. And last but not least, if you have an event that's coming up that you want to list on an awesome calendar that goes nationwide, Eventsburg is it. E-V-E-N-T-S-B-U-R-G-H. Eventsburg. Because we're in your burg. We're everywhere. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Event Technique with Jill Coomer. Whether you're a veteran in the nonprofit event business or just getting started, The Event Technique is a veritable goldmine of tried and true tips and strategies that can help those running events large and small. For more powerful tips and strategies to make your next event a huge success, get a copy of Jill's latest book, The Event Technique. Available now at Amazon and www.theeventtechnique.com. That's www.theeventtechnique.com. For more bite-sized chunks to make your next event more successful, see you next time on The Event Technique Podcast.